Welcome to the 865 Elite Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Saha. Today's guest is Coach Brittany Ezel. Coach most recently was the head coach at ETSU, where she guided the Buccaneers to playing two conference championships. She was also the head coach at Belmont University prior to her stint at ETSU. She has over 20 years of Division I coaching experience. She grew up in Franklin, Tennessee, where she played softball and basketball growing up. She went to the University of Alabama, where she also played softball and basketball, and it's where, where she began her coaching career. Here's our interview with Coach Brittany Ezel. All right. Hey, Coach. Thanks for joining the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? I'm great. Well, hey, Coach, we are uh, doing this podcast to help inform the parents and players about the youth sports process and uh wanted to get into with you now that it's July mm-hmm. about what college coaches are you know looking for in the recruits and how thorough they are in the venting process. Oh wow that's a that's a that's a lot to unpack there Ryan but um I think parents would be surprised to know how much actually goes into these evaluations other than just wearing a big logo on your shirt and sitting there with a, a cell phone and a notepad there's a lot of prep that goes into it there's a lot of planning because um there are a lot of options uh for coaches when they go to watch games and and which kids they're going to see so when you're going and you you know you obviously have that list of the kids that you're recruiting for a kid that's not on your list what do they have to do to catch a college coach's eye you know during these live events Oh, wow. Um, You know, it really didn't take something that required talent. Um, It was what kind of energy did they have? Are they coachable? Did they have leadership skills? Um, Were they able to, you know, remain positive in a negative situation? Um, What was their body language like? I mean, like, obviously, you're looking at, you know, certain skills. You are. But the abilities you're looking for are different. You're looking for dependability, accountability, responsibility. You're looking for the kids that, you know, when you when you're coaching at the college level, you got enough to worry about. You don't want to have to babysit a kid or monitor their attitude all the time. If they had fantastic energy, they gave good effort, they communicated at a high level. Those things always caught my attention, regardless of if they were undersized, if their team was winning or losing. I promise you there's no coach out there that's paying attention to how many games uh, summer team is, is winning or losing. I promise you nobody's keeping tally. They're paying attention to, you know, things that a stat sheet may not show you. Yeah. So you just talked about the winning and the losing. <clears throat> do, in your opinion – how much do you value winning in July versus winning in the high school season to tell if a kid is a winner or not? I'm a traditionalist, so I put a lot more stock in high school. It's very easy to go out and, you know, recruit the best, you know, kind of conglomeration of, of talent during the summer in your region, but that's not, you know, the real world. That's, it's more like when I was a kid, that was like being picked for an all-star team. I like the high school. 
I like that, you know, you may have to adapt. You may have to stretch outside of your comfort zone. You know, you, if you're a, a six, one, uh, stretch four, you may be playing the five in high school. Well, guess what? Now you're developing some skills that are going to benefit you in the next level. You know, so there's, there's a lot of things that kind of tie summer ball back to high school, but where do I value winning? I value winning a, a high school state championship. I value tradition. I value um, leaving your mark on something that's going to be sustainable because AAU teams change. They change names. They change sponsors. They change circuits. But your high school is your high school. And I'm very proud of, you know, saying where I went to high school and what we did in high school. That means more to me than anything I ever did as a summer ball player. Um, and I, I would hope that kids would put more stock in their high school. It actually matters. <clears throat> How important is it to you to have an AAU program and your high school coach work together to help develop the kid? Because it seems like that doesn't happen a lot anymore where there's like a tug of war back and forth between, you know, my kid versus, you know, my kid. And like, yeah. just how important is that to have everyone work together? You know, I, I think what people lose sight of is that, that word that you just said in your statement, it's a kid, that's a kid. And they're learning how to behave by watching the people that are put you know, in charge of them at the coaching position. And, and basketball is so overcoached and undertaught. I wish that more coaches would view themselves as teachers. And when you view yourself as a teacher, then you're going to collaborate and you're going to work with the other teachers to best serve that child. And that's what you're doing. Um, you're trying to teach a kid. Um, you don't have to have the same philosophy, but you do have to have the same understanding that this is someone's child, that it's my job to teach them and to give them back to either their AAU coach, their high school coach, their middle school coach, my job is to give them back better for the time that they spent with me. And if I can't do that, then I'm just really wasting money for that parent. And I'm really wasting time and opportunity for that kid. So as a parent, how do you go about finding a coach like that? You know, high school and middle school are a little harder, but especially, you know, the AAU world, there's a million <laughs> different programs now where, everyone says they're the best coach so how do you go through that as a parent to find out who can develop my kid on and off the floor and really teach them yeah I think you got to do a lot of research um I don't think there's anything wrong with asking um a college coach what they think who they think might be doing a good job uh go watch them practice that's the, that's the best thing I can tell you. When you watch someone practice or you watch a coach run a practice, you figure out very quickly what they're all about and the things that they're going to focus on and their culture and their commitment to the kid. Um, you know, if all they're doing is sitting in there running plays, running plays, running plays, and the kids never really understand the skill that's behind it, then are you really showcasing the kid or do you want the kid to showcase that you know how to, you know, call a play? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Go watch them run a practice, have a conversation with them about their why. Um, and when you're coaching, if your why is very clear, then your how will become very easy. Um, some of these people do it for the wrong reasons, Ryan. You and I both know that. We've, we've seen some of it. And then it just far overshadows some of the good guys that are out there like you. And, and 
you know, that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. How, how would you go about the relationship now with recruiting for the AAU coach and the high school coach in terms of being able to college, you know, call a college coach and be able to really get their attention because, you know, everyone's reputation, you got to be honest with these people about the kids. Yeah, I think the first thing that has to happen is there has to be honest communication between the high school coach and the AAU coach and the parent as to what level we're dealing with. Um, you know, everybody tells you, yeah, I can help you go, you know, D1 or BCS or you can. Let's make some honest assessments and let's be honest. Um, not everybody can play at UConn. Not everybody can play at Tennessee. And that's okay. Anybody that will pay for you to continue your education is big time because I promise, Ryan, and I mean, you played at Syracuse, I played at Alabama. Nobody ever asks me how many games we won. No one ever asked me how many points I scored. No one ever asks that. They asked about, you know, your experience. They asked about, you know, what did you learn? What kind of teammate were you? You know, what kind of connections did you build? That's all this is, is summer ball is a vehicle to help you get to the next stage in life that will set you up for the next stage in life. This is all, it, it's really kind of crazy it, it, how it's, it all kind of lays out, but you gotta be honest with these kids from the get-go and you just gotta tell them, hey, look, hey, there's nothing wrong with playing division two. There's nothing wrong with playing low D1. There's nothing wrong with NAI. Heck, there's nothing wrong with any level that gives you an opportunity to better your life through a sport. And that goes back to that process of trying to find out and do your research on the AAU coach to make sure they're doing it the right way and oh yeah going to, and going to be honest with them oh absolutely and college coaches are going to tell you there's certain summer ball coaches they want nothing to do with there's some that they tolerate there's others that they celebrate um and and you would be surprised you would really be surprised that you know some of these coaches at the college level if they don't have anything good to say they're not going to say anything just pay attention to what they're saying when they're not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> absolutely. And then, you know, we talked about teaching and developing too. A lot, it seems like basketball has now turned into all these people that are these skill coaches out there that really aren't teaching skills that they're going to use in college. So as a parent, how do you, would you, you know, educate yourself on who's actually a good skills coach and teaching game skills? Again, I think, you know, use your own two eyes. Don't be a I heard person. Um, I'm always leery of people that use props. I have never in a college basketball game ever had a kid make four moves to get around a cone. I've never had a kid get hit with a, a pool float. I've never had them um, have to bear crawl or wear bungee cords. It just doesn't happen. It just does not happen. So I'm a little skeptical when people use a lot of props. I I'm okay, you know, if you've got cones and you're setting up, you know, spacing and cutting and teaching. But when you're using a prop for the sake of a prop, it's just a waste of time and pretty much a gimmick. So a lot of the people that you see advertised with all the, the videos and the endorsements, that's, that's, you know, kind of fictional to me. You know, again, your, your, best, your best skill instructors are teachers. They are teachers. They are, they are definitely 
um, the ones that understand why they're doing a particular set of skills, what impact it has on the game. And they're actually able to decide if that age bracket of kid really needs to be doing that skill or not. I don't need to teach an 11 year old how to shoot a step back. I don't. They, they don't even know what a, what a V cut is or how to block out properly. And some of them can barely use their left hand. Why are we teaching step backs? Why are we teaching sidesteps? Why are we teaching euros? I, if I see another horrible euro, it's just, it's torture. It is torture. Let's make a layup and then we'll graduate to a euro. But some of that stuff. Wow. Wow. Well, it's funny too, because wasn't Drew Hanlon at Belmont when you were there? He was. So he, I remember I saw an interview with him and he talked about the best victory he had as a skill coach was his sister went from not playing at all to being an all-state player within two years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing of a skill coach is being able to, you know, just because you work with the best players in the area doesn't mean you're a great skills coach. Like you have to be able to teach the kid and improve them. It doesn't matter what skill level they're at. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Drew Hanlon has really established himself as one of the premier trainers in the country. I mean, and he's done it all through just kind of hard work. If you've ever watched anything that he does with pure sweat, very, very rarely are there gimmicks. He breaks it down. He talks about angles. He talks about the kinesiology of your body and how things move and torque. He talks about changing pace, changing direction, changing speeds, being able to use angles. He's very smart about what he does and and he challenges you from a cerebral level that I think a lot of skill coaches are missing. And what you just said, I think really kind of tells me who I would want to train my kid. This person trained for two years to get that result. It's not about instant gratification. And if you pay me, you know, $150, I guarantee you'll make you know, the, the A squad on this travel team, that's, that's just not where I would be spending my money. And that's just yeah. not. Absolutely. Well, I know you got to get going, but I have two more questions for you. Sure. Sure. So the first one is what is the best advice you have ever been given? Oh my goodness. That is so open-ended. Um, best advice I've ever been given. There's a couple of them, Ryan. And and when you're a coach, you have to understand that you have now put yourself in a position where everybody in America thinks they can do your job. They do. And you also sign up for a job that you're going to get fired. I've been fired. You know, there's there's a couple kinds of coaches, coaches that have been fired and coaches that are going to get fired. So the best advice I got when it came to coaching was most of these people don't know you personally. So don't take it personal when they have something to say. And, you know, you try to pay your bills with someone's opinion and it just doesn't work. Um, But some of the greatest advice I ever got was to continue to have an attitude of gratitude in all things and to attack every day with a joyous intensity. And um, that's how I try to live my life. I try, I fall short and I'm imperfect. But uh, when I keep those things in mind, Uh, my day tends to get better. I love that. And then the last one is, what is the worst advice that you have ever been given? (laughs) The worst advice I've ever been given. Oh, gosh. I don't think any advice that I've ever taken seriously has been bad. It may just not be applicable to me. 
Yeah. And for me, bad advice would be anything that was given to me by someone who did not have my best intentions in mind. Um, I don't think people offer advice thinking that it's bad. It may work for them. It may not work for me. Um, but you know, I, at the same time, if you're not in my corner, when things go bad, you are definitely not in my circle when things go good. So I'm just really choosy about who I get advice from. So yeah. I don't really have too many things. I, I was trying to think of anything you've ever told me that I might consider bad advice. Something, <laughs> something about a, a shoe brand, I'm sure, but we all know that I'm swoosh loyal. So, you know, I mean, it's something like that. You know, somebody told me once that I'd look good in orange. That's probably the worst advice I ever got. That's, that's never going to happen ever. Well, well, I think it just depends on what shade of orange. No, I'll rock a little Syracuse. I'm with you. I'll rock a little Syracuse. I'm there. I'm there. I hear you. Well, thank you for your time, coach. I really appreciate it. Anything for you, my friend, keep up the good work, keep impacting lives. And I'll always remember that these kids are learning how to live by being taught how to play. And um, the faster coaches can recognize that in themselves, um, they'll view themselves as a teacher uh, more so than just a coach. Absolutely. Love it. Thanks, coach. You're welcome, brother.